Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. Write us a review on the Apple Podcasts app or wherever you listen. Also, share it with a friend. This episode is supported by The Dance of Tree Branches in the Wind. Tonight, we'll be reading an excerpt focused on tree spirits from the 1890 book The Golden Bough, a study in magic and religion, written by Scottish anthropologist Sir James George Fraser. The book scandalized the public when first published because it compared Christian biblical stories to pagan rituals. Despite the controversy generated by the work, along with much critical reception amongst other scholars, The Golden Bough inspired much of the creative literature of the period. H.P. Lovecraft, James Joyce, Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, T.S. Eliot, and more were all influenced by this work. Jim. 
religious history of European people, the worship of trees has played an important part. Nothing could be more natural. For at the dawn of history, Europe was covered with immense primeval forests in which the scattered clearings must have appeared like islets in an ocean of green. Down to the first century before our era, the Hercynian forest stretched eastward from the Rhine for a distance at once vast and unknown. Germans, whom Caesar questioned, had traveled for two months through it without reaching the end. Four centuries later, it was visited by the Emperor Julian, and the solitude, the gloom, the silence of the forest appeared to have made a deep impression on his sensitive nature. He declared that he knew nothing like it in the Roman Empire. In our own country, the wields of Kent, Surrey, and Sussex are remnants of the great forest of Anderida, which once clothed the whole of the southeastern portion of the island. Westward, it seems to have stretched till it joined another forest that extended from Hampshire to Devon. In the reign of Henry II, the citizens of London still hunted the wild bull and the boar in the woods of Hampstead. Even under the later Plantagenets, the royal forests were 68 in number. In the forest of Arden, it was said that down to modern times, a squirrel might leap from tree to tree for nearly the whole length of Warwickshire. The excavation of ancient pile villages in the valley of the Po has shown that long before the rise and probably the foundation of Rome, the north of Italy was covered with dense woods of elms, chestnuts, and especially of oaks. Archaeology is here confirmed by history, for classical writers contain many references to Italian forests which have now disappeared. As late as the fourth century before our era, Rome was divided from central Etruria by the dreaded Ciminian forest which Levy compares to the woods of Germany. No merchant, if we may trust the Roman historian, had ever penetrated its path.